talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity Podcast with Kevin Brent and Jeff. That's us. Gentlemen, compadre. Hadn't said that in a while, so there you go. There you Compadres, go. commodores, kings, boys. masters, boys. <laughs> so it's boys, B-O-W-E-E-Z. I think it's B-O-I-S. Boys. I don't know. That would be Boas, wouldn't it? B-O-Y-Z. There we go. Boys in the hood. Boys. Yeah. So we're boys in the wood. Gosh. People don't know that our studio is made of of wood pallet on yes. the outside. Yes, I guess I guess I should make sense of that. All right, so today's topic, uh, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know I belong to God? This is a good question. Mm. Do you remember um, as a teenager maybe wondering really if you belong to God? I, I do remember that. I remember Absolutely. praying a prayer, but I remember multiple times saying, did I really mean it? Did God really save me? Am I really... Born again. I mean, there's the churchy terms, but come on, they're, they're Jesus terms, right? So, so how do we know? I, here's my goal for this podcast. I'd like for somebody who lives, who's listening, who's wondering whether or not they belong to God, that by the end of this podcast, they can say, you know what? I know for sure that I am a child of God, never to have to doubt that again. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so first off, can we know? Yes. Yes. You can know. Um, the Scripture tells us we, we can, right. right? Yes. I'm going to find the, the verse here. But I do understand the struggle at the same time with our humanity of that. Like you just said, I mean, goodness gracious, I, the Matthew 7, I think it's 7, but not all that's saying to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But God, we, we did all these things in your name. We cast out demons and... And depart from me, I never knew you. How many times have I heard that preached in, in a revival, yeah. evangelistic type of message? And then, you know, and then you're, my experience, you know, I'm sitting there in the crowd and you start seeing all these people walking forward. You're like, oh, there's another deacon. Okay, there's there's a staff member, you know, and then, and, and it's just like, oh my goodness. So, and I'm, look, I gotta be careful here. I'm not against that necessarily because uh, I, I don't know, only God knows that. In those situations, some maybe didn't have a genuine uh, faith in God, but there's two extremes here. There are those that sit in our pews every week that believe they are believers in Jesus Christ, and they've never given their life to him. And then on the far other extreme are those that they are, but they're just wrestling with this thing, and, and that's a that's a hard place to be if you're just not sure that you belong to God. But you do. You do belong to him because you... you you can't go forth from there. So I, I'm laying it on the table here. And, and you know. there is a flip side, depending on what type of church background you have. There are some that believe you can lose your salvation. Right. You have others that believe once saved, always saved. Right. And I, I don't think that's where we're really wanting to go with this. But depending on what your background is, if I can lose my salvation, then my dues for the cause of Christ sure better outweigh my not doing for yeah. the cause of yeah. Christ from that aspect. And so that creates fear and regret and sure. I've, I've made a mistake and, and then, you know, what am I, what does it look like? So I think for us to answer that question, we definitely need to look at scripture. Mm -hmm. Jesus even said, you will, they will know you're my followers by the love that you have for one another. Mm -hmm. So is my lifestyle a lifestyle of love? If it's not a lifestyle of love, 
then you can start answering or asking questions, asking hard questions about, am I really a Christ follower? Was I ever truly saved? Did I ever give my heart and my life to Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you start thinking about the fruit that is demonstrated, they'll know you, uh, you, you, were, you were linked into the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You, without me, basically, you're going to wither and die. Is that the type of lifestyle that we have? Are we constantly so far away from God we can't see ourselves up and we feel like that so many times so many times in life we feel like we're in a pit of despair and that there's no hope there's no way out but all Mm -hmm. through scripture we're given example after example after example of God offering lifelines to us he's he's offering a rope to help pull us out of these pits of despair if we'll simply grab hold of them and, and work our way out but there has to be forgiveness on our part. There has to be acceptance of what we've done on our part. There has to be this idea of looking in the spiritual mirror and reflecting, what am I seeing from a spiritual perspective? We love to look in mirrors every day to brush our teeth and comb our hair and look for blemishes and things of that nature. But how often do we spend time looking in the spiritual mirror? Mm -hmm. If we'd spend time in the spiritual mirror, what we see should be the evidence of God himself. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it definitely is. We should definitely see the image of God when we look in the mirror. I, I'm just putting this out here because I don't want somebody to be so sure. scared to death going, oh my goodness, when I look in the mirror every day, I see this this, this sinner. You know, I see but should we let him off the hook that easy? Because no, isn't that the rub? I think we need to on the one this. on the one hand, we go, look, um, your performance has nothing to do with your salvation. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That, that's... So how much do I have to obey to demonstrate my love? Well, so, but, but it, then again, it goes back to a works-based obedience. So First John, I just I felt led to go here. So First John, uh, I think it's chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Yeah. Truth is not in us. And in this is a famous verse we all know. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, just, forgive us, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. So... We're not claiming here a sinless perfection. So when we look in the mirror, um, I guess I'm just putting this out there because somebody yeah. may be listening going, oh, I'm still messing up. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, we are still sinners. We just better not be very good at it. You know what I mean? Like if, if, we, get, <laughs> if we get to the place where there's not a conviction, yeah. Yeah. that's a scarier place to be. And, and I can say that no matter what theological stance you're on, with once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation um, you know, it, it, that's a scary place to be is, uh, there's no conviction of sin anymore. So, well, okay. So in my mind, this is much more of a question in today's culture than it has been in centuries past <clears throat> because of the evangelical easy believism that we have made the standard for salvation. Right. Make a decision. Yes. Well, Sign a card. Yeah. Come, come down the aisle, say a prayer. Yep. You're now saved. You now belong to God. Signed up. And so, now obviously all of us have done that, have, have preached, mm-hmm. or, or not have preached it, but we have led people to that. Sure. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it can be very deceptive because you have churches who say, man, we had a thousand people trust Christ this year. Yep. Fantastic. Where are they? 
Right. Now, there's no doubt that there's some genuine conversions within that, within that, that thousand people. And there's, I guarantee there's some in that group that are not. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and how, how much is, how dangerous is it, is it to lead somebody in a, a prayer for a false conversion yeah. as opposed to say, you know what, you're not ready? Do you think Jesus knew that that would be the case when he did say Matthew 7, 7? I think it's 7. I need to look that up. Not all that saying to me, Lord, I think so, Lord yeah. will enter the kingdom of God. So, yeah. um, so we can establish saying a prayer does not save you. I mean, that sounds basic, but just because I said, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I know my sin condemns me. I know you died on the cross, so I turn from my sin, and I trust you with my heart. Thank you for saving me. That does not equal salvation. It's just words. It can equal salvation, right. Right. but it does not necessarily equal salvation. Right. Because the attitude of the heart is... Re- Matter of fact, the, the, the man on the cross, the thief on the cross mm-hmm. said, Lord, remember me. Yeah. That was his prayer for salvation. It was one sentence. Remember so, me when you come into your kingdom. So I hear, I hear the listener now that's listening going, <laughs> I'm so you, confused. you promised us <laughs> that we would be sure of this thing by the time we finished. And, and you're, going, you're, you're more nervous now than you were when we started. But hang but that's on. That's a good thing because the Bible there. tells us that we're to work out our salvation. Our, and, and to me, that means you wrestle with it. Yeah. If, if, there's, if there's no wrestling with it, then, then really it means it's, it's not something maybe that's important as much as it should be. I don't want to secure anybody in their salvation or not secure anybody in their salvation because only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I will make this statement. If if you're listening to this podcast now and you are really wrestling with this, to me that's a good indication that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So um, the wrestling is not a bad sign. The wrestling is a good sign that you are wanting to walk in assurance, walk in freedom. Um, and, And that's where God wants you to walk as well. First so. John five thirteen, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There it is. There is a knowledge of eternal life to where we can know that we know God. So it's a mystery. The gospel's a mystery, but salvation, our own salvation, should not be a mystery, or does not have to be a mystery. Yeah. And and so John is writing these letters, and he said, look. I'm writing these things so you might have assurance of your salvation. Let's define no. I know we've done this before, but we need to do this again. So the word no, and I know you love to do this one too, but no in in the Greek context as opposed to the Hebrew context is is totally different things. So um, we often, the word no in our culture, and the word knowledge is is a complete head thing. Biblically, knowledge is... Uh, it, it is partially that, but it's also an experiential thing. It's a it's a heart condition as well. So knowing God is not just <laughs> knowing in air quotes God, but it's also knowing God in yeah. air quotes. It's 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 much it incorporates it is experiential. Much, it's very experiential. So it, it's it's the totality of who we are is is knowing God. So you can know God. The good news is as you start to know God experientially. That is where the fruits come in, and that is the that is the confirmation of um, the salvation itself. So, and part of the struggle that we that many people have is not necessarily did I say yes to Jesus at some point in the past, but what is where is my safety? Where is my security? What do I actually believe God's going to do? Is He going to take care of me? Is He going to provide for me? Is He going to uh, allow bad things to happen to me? I mean, what does that actually look like? And so when you think about the salvation, um, how do I know that 
God is with me and and not against me? How do we how do we know have safety and security in our in our saying yes to mm-hmm. to Jesus and saying yes to God? It takes me back to Deuteronomy chapter thirty one, back in the Old Testament. Absolutely incredible statement given by God to us. Now, it's to the Jews, but it's also to us as Christ followers, those who are following him. He says to be strong and courageous. That's a choice that I have to make. Mm. I'm choosing because I have said yes to Jesus. I am choosing in this moment, even though the evil one's attacking and trying to confuse me, trying to tell me that I'm not saved, trying to tell me that God's not going to take care of me. I'm choosing in this moment to be strong and to be courageous. And then he says, Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He mm. will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And those are the words that when I am confused, when I'm doubting, when I'm confused about whether or not God's even real, God's saved me, God's doing these things for me, God's with me. These are words that I can go back to to remind myself of the truth when I proclaim with my mouth so that my ears can actually hear the truth that's professed in Scripture. When I read that and claim that over my life, this starts to radiate within me and that confirmation of the Holy Spirit of God within me. He continues in the next verse and says, The Lord himself goes before you, and will be with you. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then we see the writer of Hebrews going back to this very verse in Deuteronomy, reminding the New Testament believers of the same truth that's found in the Old Testament. That's part of the foundation that I think anyone who has a question whether or not they've actually said yes to Jesus, it was it was a legitimate, did I say a prayer and not mean it, things of this nature. If in your heart you ever truly, in your heart of hearts, gave your heart and your life to Jesus, when the attacks come, and they will come, because I'm one of the guys also that mm-hmm. prayed for salvation 5,723 <laughs> times. How know? many times were you dumped? I was only been dumped once, but oh yeah, my goodness, you know, yeah. it, it's, I, I continue to ask God, because I, I, had, a, I had a flaw in my theology, I believe because I continued to sin and mis- make mistakes, therefore I wasn't really saved. Mm. And wow, that's wow. not that's not accurate. That's not accurate. That's what got to destroy that's you today. Definitely. And yeah. that that's a demonic attack saying, yeah. "Well, you made a mistake. You really don't know Jesus. You, really, you made a mistake. You really weren't a Christ follower. You re- you made a mistake. You you really didn't give your heart and your life to Him to begin with." And I aspire for a sinless, perfect life because God himself said, be holy as I am holy. So I aspire and I desire and I walk in faithfulness trying to achieve that every single day, but yet I still make mistakes. I've not I've not arrived yet. And so I have to go back to these truths of Scripture and proclaim them over myself. And when I made a mistake, pick myself up with the help of God, confess my sins to the cross, and walk up, walk again in holiness and purity. One of the one of my favorite t- couple of titles for the devil is the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. To me, that describes what he does with believers so often. If he cannot take us, um, if if he can't take us to hell, he's gonna he's gonna lie to us and he's gonna accuse us and and cause us to doubt whether or not we really are loved by God and doubt whether or not we really are uh, a a person who's been empowered by his spirit. And so um, part of demolishing the lies and the accusations is not relying upon our own goodness or our own sinfulness. It's relying upon what God's word says. And so the truth is, if we simply knew God's word 
and and not a no from a head knowledge, but no from an experiential knowledge, right, right. then we wouldn't wrestle. I, I wrestle with my own with knowing my own salvation um, until I was about fifteen, and I'll never forget it. I was in a stadium at uh, in Pensacola at a, a a giant crusade. In those days, it was in the the late eighties. We did crusades, um, which is where you know evangelists would come and and every, all the churches would gather together in one big place. And I remember sitting there questioning, Lord, do I know you or not? And I don't remember the message that was preached. I just remember the the wrestling in my soul. And the funny thing was, is I was asking this question, Lord, if I'm not saved, I want to be. So just tell me if I am or if I'm not. And I remember, you know, thinking through it, I remember asking other people, just give me an answer. Just tell me if I am or tell me if I'm not. If I'm not, I'll make it right. And so the question is, can you really have that kind of questioning if you're not? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. which brings up another question. At what is salvation a point in time or is salvation a process? <laughs> this? I, I think that's a both end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there, there is a point when you, <clears throat> in your heart, say yes. So do I, you have to remember that? Like, do you, in, unless was, you can I say. I was taught that I had to remember that. I was that. taught that too. I do not believe yeah, that. I don't either. either. I've changed my mind on agree, that. We all agree on that. Okay, so how can we defend that? How, okay, because I've heard evangelists say, because remember, I grew up in the revivalistic times where we had at least one, if not two, revivals sure. a year. How can we defend if we were to say, I don't remember when I was saved, but I know I've trusted Jesus? I because would, I've heard the preachers say, if you can't point to a place, have you heard this? I've if heard you can't it, yeah. point to a place what, in time, you are Why is not the burden saved. of proof on us to prove that? You see know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, it's debating class 101, but he's got to prove your point. You know what I mean? Like, well, but, but he's causing doubt in my mind. If I'm, if I'm in that position, I'm going, well, I can't remember a time. So maybe I'm not, I mean, not to get mean, but like he he needs to show me in the Bible where your, your standpoint. And that also goes to age of accountability and things of that nature. Who says whether a four or five, six year old really said yes to Jesus, because there's so many examples of little children who are saying yes to Jesus, well, they don't fully understand. How do you know they don't really fully understand? How do we know that yeah. God's not at work? Here's the bottom line that I think we need to, we have to be able to answer for ourselves. What does our own conscience tell us? What does our own soul tell us? And I'll, I want to read Galatians chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6, because here is, is an example of, of what, actually it's verses 4 and 5. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. That's good. Verse 7, verse 5, every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience. That's good. Your own conscience declares to the essence of who you are whether or not you've said yes to Jesus, whether or not you're walking in holiness and purity, whether or not you're falling, whether or not you're being faithful, all of that is, is again, it's kind so, of a spiritual mirror that I was alluding to earlier. When you look at your spiritual mirror, if you see a reflection of God, if your consciousness says, I am walking in purity and holiness, even though I make a mistake occasionally, I am desiring, I am purposely, I'm, I, am, I am running this race to chase after God with everything that's in me, so as Christians, what what is it? Because I, I totally agree with that. And I think this is the heart of where we're going today. But what what affects the conscience of a Christian? So what what is it that for the Christian's life that is going to 
give our conscience the assurance that we are truly believers in, in Jesus Christ. Can we ask that question in two seconds? I just feel the need to clarify. You're not saying that a person just decides if they're saved or not based on their own conscience. Because if I if I follow Buddha, I could have a conscience that says, okay, I'm saved. Because I, I, I don't believe Jesus is the way. I believe this other way is the way. My conscience is clear. Therefore, I must be saved. You're, you're not affirming that. No, not at all. You're, I, I know that. I just want to be clear that we're not saying you, you define your own salvation. You come up with your own means right. to God. Because we absolutely affirm and believe that the Word of God gives us a clear path to God. And that is sure. only through Jesus Christ. Correct. And if you read Galatians 6 before and after these very verses, it's talking about holding each other accountable yes. and, and living that type of lifestyle. I just wanted to use that in the context of, ultimately, it's, it's my conscience in communion with the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within me that's, that's having that conversation. Right. Because he, he's the convictor of sin. He's the, he's the one that convicts and, and, and points to the resurrected Jesus Christ. He's the one that points to the issues in our heart and our life. So if we're going, if my conscience is in connection with the Holy Spirit and seeking after him, he's going to reveal that truth to me. Right. So that was the answer to my question. That's the okay, answer I wanted okay, was cool. the Holy Spirit of God himself because, you know, we can we can uh, depend on our own conscience mind and that— without the without the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's going to take us in a gazillion different directions. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the difference. Um, the Holy Spirit would be the one that 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 draws us to salvation in the first place. Um, but the Holy Spirit's also the the convincer, the one right. that says you are a child of God. We have two voices though. We have the Holy Spirit being the convincer, and we have uh, the the devil, Satan, the demonic influences that be the deceiver. So. We have two voices that are speaking to us in this world. One of them lives inside of us as a believer of Jesus Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that that's the voice that needs to be <laughs> – we sang it yesterday, the voice well, of truth. I was truth, just thinking you know? that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the one we need to listen to because this whole world is going to – for the believer out there that's listening, just know you're in a battle. Uh, even after you're a child of God, you're in a battle now that wants to make you ineffective and so all these voices are going to say, you're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. You're not really a believer. Um, it's going to make your life miserable. So, But on the inside, but the only way to, to really convince ourselves that you are truly indeed a child of God, I can throw theology out all day long and show you the scriptures, but until somebody inside of themselves believes, believes, believes that, that's just, that's just theology. The Holy Spirit is truly the only one that is going to be able to say, you know what, I am a child of God. It's totally about the Holy Spirit. And isn't it, isn't it amazing how God did that? That he, he left enough mystery in the gospel to where we could not create a checklist and go, check, check, yeah. check, check, done. There's because it's a, a relationship. Because it's a relationship. Absolutely. And so, and so it's, this is basic. Going, we, past podcast, we talked about Disciple Now weekends. This is going back, back to the basics kind of stuff. But so... How does somebody, let's, let me ask this for all of us here. How does somebody get better in tune with the Holy Spirit so that they can there reassure themselves of their salvation? What are the steps to do that? It begins with confession. Okay. Because can, uh, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart, right? Mm -hmm. So if we think that we're going to hear from God, yet we are um, complacent about sin, we are living uh, an unrighteous life, we're doing what pleases us rather than what pleases the Spirit, we're fooling ourselves. Can God hear? Absolutely. But does he hear? No. He, 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 what he hears when there's a, a, uh, 
a, per, a person who's who's going the opposite direction of God, right? And whatever, however that means in their life, mm-hmm. the only prayer I think God really hears from them is, "Lord, forgive me." Now, when I say "hear," I'm saying "hear" and responds. It doesn't mean that 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 God's not going to listen ever to anything. But I'm saying you cannot expect a a, a communion with God if you're living in sin. Is that? I mean, that, that sounds pretty basic, right? The, the water's dirty, so yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Yeah, and I think even you—I don't know. I just—it's it's a random, <laughs> random illustration came on my mind. The it's water is—it's oh, not. Hey, it's you not should clear. say that you, with the water's dirty. You can't see through it. I don't. I'm, it randomly came in my mind. So go ahead, Brent. I lost my train. Okay, so okay, let let's put it in human terms. Your 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 husband, uh, your wife. Okay, we're guys. We have wives. Um, there there's something between us, right? Uh, let's say they've offended us, we've offended them. Until that offense is cleared, you're still married, but you're not able to have um, you know a candlelight dinner together. Right? There's tension in the There's house. There's tension in the house. Yeah. So theologically, somebody can be uh, a believer in Jesus Christ and headed to heaven and have some type of sin in their lives. Now, this is dangerous territory, but that is possible. But if you, but it's going to be very hard to have the assurance of your salvation if you're in the middle of this sin in your yeah. life. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because I, I think that the heart of this may not even be a heaven or hell issue. It may be a lordship issue hmm. because I can say yes to Jesus so that I do not go to hell. I, I can say yes to Jesus so that I am assured of my salvation at some point when I walk down an aisle or somebody at the coffee shop leads me to Christ and I say yes. But when I do not change my lifestyle, even though in my heart of heart I gave my life and I said, yes, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. Save me. And he is our Savior. We neglect the whole aspect of him as Lord. And when I've surrendered to God as my Lord, I've surrendered to Jesus as my Lord, and the Lordship issue is no longer there, I don't have to worry about my salvation because right. I'm conf- because I'm, I'm have a relationship with my Lord because anything that He wants I want what He wants me to do yeah. I want to do because He's my Lord and whatever He says I want to do. But if it's not if there's if there's a a lordship if, issue if I'm not surrendered to Him as Lord of my yeah. life, yeah. I won't be able to be assured right. of my and, salvation even though I may be saved because I've I've never given that aspect to and Him. And not now I am going to sound like the old time evangelist here. And, and, I know what you're going to say because I'm yeah, saying it too. We, okay, so what did, what did they preach? Yeah, right. Matthew 7, if 7, Jesus 7. isn't Lord, Lord of all, yeah, He's not Lord at all. Is that where you were going? No. Oh, okay. But, sorry. But but but, but but we're in the same place though because uh, we I think it has to be said. I know we're near the end, but maybe saved, maybe not saved. I mean, so the assurance. Yeah. I mean, because we started this earlier that walking aisle, sign a piece of paper, you know, sign a card. It is possible. Somebody sits in pew and goes, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. I'll sign that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. And they never were saved in the first place. Now, there are some who genuinely were, but there's no way for us to know. That's the parable of the sower, though. There, you know, you've got, you got some seed that fell on uh, hard ground. There was no opportunity to plant, and, or, or it, it came in and, and it, the birds came and ate it away, right? It fell on the walk, rocky ground. It, it Was it not able to root? So it was taken fell into the to the uh, weedy ground. It got entangled with the soils, care of the, or the weeds, cares of the world, strangled yeah. it, and it didn't last. And then the fourth, it fell onto good soil, right. and it grew and produced a, a, a harvest that's ten, ten or a hundred times fold right. what you know what it should be. 
And, and I always wrestled with that passage because I go, well, well, gosh, what is that really saying? Did they get saved and then lose their salvation? No, I, I think that what, what the Scripture is talking about is only when the gospel is planted in good soil is there truly salvation. Mm-hmm. Because these other things, even though there was a sprout, there was never fruit. And I think that the fruit is what, what demonstrates the authenticity of the tree. So I would say, how do you know you're saved? Is there fruit in your life that is born only from God? Because if there is, then I would say there, there, there has to be a spiritual work inside of you going on. If there is no fruit that is a God-ordained uh, fruit, then I would, ha- I would question, or I would, I would say you really should question, are you truly born again? Because if there's no fruit then there's nothing alive. Is there a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, yes. for more of God? Do I'm, am I starving for more of God? Am I, mm-hmm. am I thirsting for more of God? Then nothing else quenches my thirst other than more of God. Those are the ones that, that are passionately pursuing Christ. If you're at that point, be assured of your salvation. Right. Don't let the evil one trick you. Re- reaffirm yourself through the Scripture claim the promises that God spoke over you as truth and, and verbalize that so that your ears can actually hear it. But I don't really think those are the ones, for the no. most part, mm-hmm. that are struggling with, am I really a Christ follower? You know, it's, it's crazy to me when I look back at the Scripture and I see that Jesus talks about a relationship with God through Christ, through himself, that's based on love, not based on a work. It's not based on what we do. And it's even not based on what we think. It's based on do we love. Mm. And the bottom line is love is an action. Love has a, a responsibility or a relationship with it. So if I say I'm in Christ, but I don't love Christ Jesus, then I'm not really in Christ. That's the ones who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we not? Yeah, yeah you were doing religious things. You weren't loving Jesus. And... You know, love is is evident by fruit. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And again, that do what I say is not about the action as much as it is, I want to fall in line under your lordship. I want to be obedient to you because I love you. That's what salvation is. If you love me, you will do what I command. Is um, Is that, okay, you love me, now do these things, or is it? Because you because love, me. You love yeah. me, now this is going to be the fruit in your life. And that's the way I actually read it. Yeah, is is this is going to be the the, the, the outpouring? Just cause I know we're at the end of time, though. But just to clear, <laughs> <laughs> you are the great clarifier. I try. You know, well, you know, it's funny the three the three distinctives that we have. Yeah. I just get. Nervous. <laughs> I'm the poker. I like to I like to jam get, a wedge in there and get us thinking. And you like nervous. to come back and pastorally bring us all under the same Maybe. cover. I, I get and nervous. Brent likes to them. go back into the. To the the nuts and bolts of well, what is yeah. well, what are yeah, the, the, what do the Jews do? <laughs> <laughs> I get Perfectly nervous balanced. about the person who's listening that goes. I've just listened to this for thirty two minutes. You promised us that I'd be assured of my salvation at the end, and I'm not. Still, <laughs> uh, I get nervous about that. Like we, well, we maybe we need to recant made, that statement. <laughs> we made a promise, you know. So here's it is by the fruit, but that fruit tree. Don't go to the perfect picture yeah, on Google exactly. Images, and it is not perfect. Bushels and bushels. Of- Once again, if you're listening to this and you are asking this question with a bunch of 
trepidation in your heart, my guess, and I don't want to, I don't want to say what only Holy Spirit can say, but my guess is that your wrestling is a good sign that you are truly trying to do what God wants you to do in in your life. So if that, you even care, yeah. it's a good sign. Yes, right, exactly. Blessed. What did you say earlier? The, the beatitude. Um, Bless those who hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness doesn't mean you've actually got there. Yeah. You hunger and you thirst for it. So, wow, so many topics. Uh, well, you know, as I'm writing in my notebook here, I'm actually not journaling. What I'm doing <laughs> is I'm writing down future topics, and there are so many future topics out of this one podcast that we're going to hit. Cool. Uh, one of the, one of them being theological terms that need definition. I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of theological terms mm-hmm. that we alluded to or use yes. specifically. Even the word theological. Even theological, absolutely. <laughs> You're absolutely awesome. right. We yeah. cannot assume. Uh, another one is think theology that I've changed my mind on over the years. That's good. That's that's one of those scary ones. Hey, I need more than five minutes. <laughs> I have to yeah. think through that. Oh, you, you want me to text you those the I night need, before? I need that at least a day or two before. I'll bring a big whiteboard in here for that um, one. And then another one. Um, uh, but uh, where is it? What is sin? Hmm. I mean, uh, uh, that, that's one of those things that again we don't we don't hear a lot of lately. But yeah. sin, I found myself yesterday um, sinning using <laughs> no <laughs> no Man. because Thanks I love listening. Jesus. Goodbye. <laughs> I found myself yesterday using an alternate word for sin because hmm. sin seemed harsh at the moment, and I and afterwards I thought and I go, wait a minute, that was dumb. If the yeah. Bible uses it, use it. I yeah. need to use it. Yeah. You know what what's all right, so that will conclude today's podcast of Messy Christianity. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. I was, I was going to say your name and gentlemen all at the same time, and I got tongue-tied. Great day. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. Want to know more? Check us out at storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com